Hey everyone, welcome to the Being Patient Podcast. I'm Deborah Kahn, founder of Being Patient. When my mom was diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease, I decided to use my skills as a journalist in a different way. Frustrated by the lack of information on science and the inability to get different expert opinions, I decided to quit my job at the Wall Street Journal to create a better platform for people impacted by dementia. We are a community where news and information is created by our team of journalists. We ask tough questions and we simplify the science so that anyone can understand. We don't only cover disease, but delve into the latest research on what it takes to keep our brains healthy. We invite the experts and ask your questions. Here's today's podcast. I hope you enjoy it. Okay. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Being Patient Perspectives. I'm Deborah Kahn, founder of Being Patient. A lot of you write to us and tell us that you've recently found out that you have a genetic link to Alzheimer's disease. Uh, the most common link is through a genetic variant called APOE4. Um, some people have found out they have one copy, uh, which elevates their risk slightly, and others have two, one from each parent, um, which uh, increases risk further. Now, everyone who has this marker doesn't necessarily get Alzheimer's. That's really you know, important to know, but it does establish a clear familial link. So we thought, who better to talk to than someone who has found out their genetic status and is doing something about it. So please join me in welcoming Wendy Nelson. Wendy, hi, and thanks so much for joining us. Hi, thank you very much, Deborah. Nice to be here. So tell us a little bit first about what is your, before you found out what your genetic status is, how prevalent um, is or, or was Alzheimer's in your family? Sure, yes. Um, so when I was growing up, my grandfather, uh, my mother's father had uh, Alzheimer's, as did my mother's aunt. So on her maternal side, her her mother, my grandmother's sister. So my mom was always very afraid of getting Alzheimer's. That was very obvious uh, through her years. Um, and sure enough, she did get it uh, pretty young. She got it. She was diagnosed uh, mid-60s. Uh, we had seen signs of it before that, early 60s. And um, and then she passed away of Alzheimer's after a 13 years, uh, 13 year battle in uh, 2022. So I knew it was uh, very prevalent on my mother's side of the family. I did not know it was on my father's side of the family. And after my mom passed away, I did decide to uh, get gen genetically tested and unfortunately found out I also uh, got a variant from my father's side. So I do carry two APOE4 variants. Okay. And so at that time, before you got tested, you had your grandfather. Is Was that on your mom's side or your dad's side? It's my mom's uh, uh, father oh. and her aunt's, her aunt's, her, her mother's sister. So she had it on from her both maternal and paternal side. Okay. And then did you know anyone in your dad's family who had Alzheimer's? Did not. Uh, but looking back, my grandfather, my dad's dad, uh, suffered from what they thought was depression. He was he shut down, stopped speaking, stopped communicating. Um, we were told he was uh, depressed and they were doing uh, shock therapy or something to his brain. But looking back now, I'm almost positive it was Alzheimer's and uh, it just wasn't voiced back then or diagnosed. So we get a lot of comments, as I said before, on being patient um, about people kind of in shock, you know, a lot of people didn't really 
intend to find out their genetic status, but did through a relative or maybe through the results of a test um, that said that they had an elevated risk. You deliberately uh, sought out to understand your genetic status, but tell us a little bit about, because I think a lot of people are faced with it, like what went into that decision? Um, there's some people out there who say, yeah, I want to know for my kids, or and there's other people who say, no way, I don't, I don't want to know that. So tell us a sure. little bit about how you decided to make mm -hmm. that decision. Sure, yes. Well, I'm in the biotech industry. I have a PhD in science. I've uh, been in the biotech industry over 30, almost 30 years now, so my entire career. And, um, you know, there are things you can do. There are clinical trials and stuff. So knowing, you know, four, five, six years ago, I used to not want to know because I there was nothing you could do if, if, if you're found to carry it or prone to get it. You know, they say you can eat healthy, you can exercise. I do those, but my mom did them too. So, um, but it really is as I, as I've watched more and more of the clinical trial space in this, in this indication and knowing that, um, you know, they're, they're trying to get people onto clinical trials earlier and being a carrier qualifies you for some clinical trials now. So I, um, that's part of the reason I decided to find out, but it was also partially because I was hoping I was only going to carry one and I was hoping it would help alleviate some of the stress and fear I carried with me. And, and in fact, it unfortunately backfired and I found out I did in fact carry two. And that was before my dad, uh, before my dad went down this road. So it, it, it did not, I did 23 me as a lot of people are doing these days. And unfortunately it sort of confirmed my worst fears instead of alleviating them. So how were you, uh, you know, for people who haven't gotten their um, genetic tests, how, how did you get that information? Did you like log into 23andMe and pop up and it says, uh-oh, you have two variants? Like how does that, the information present itself? Oh, they send you a nice report with all kinds of interesting information about, you know, a million other things. And then, and then it has the APOE4 variant and it says, you carry two, you are at it. And, you know, significantly increased risk for Alzheimer's. And I thought, ah, crap. Right. <laughs> so yes, it's, it's very clear as day and I nice whole big page on it. <laughs> and how, at that time, I mean, you seem to be being in biotech, you're well-educated um, on, you know, science topics on genetics, probably more so than the average person. Um, but, you know, how did you, I mean, you know, I guess, you know, your shock was you had two copies, not just one, and you didn't expect that. So how did you deal with that information? How did you process it? I think that's, yeah. that's the point that people are really worried about. Like, what am I going to be like once I know this? Right. Yeah. It, it is very disappointing and discouraging and depressing at first. Um, and I think it, took me a little time to swallow that pill. Um, but then I, I'm a scientist. I mean, I'm not gonna just sit back and, and accept my likely fate. I wanted to figure out what I can do about it. Um, so I did more research on my own as to what, I, what you can do. Um, I have gone on a, um, a low level uh, resuvastatin, a statin to decrease cholesterol. There are more and more ties between um, cholesterol buildup and Alzheimer's. Uh, so it's known to be more helpful for younger folks. Um, so just things like that. Uh, okay, wait, I, I want to, I want to delve a little bit into that. Cause I think a lot of people wouldn't know that number one. Um, and number two, like, how did you get prescribed that? 
like, yeah, you know, like not- most doctors would be like, if you don't have high cholesterol, they'd be like, no, 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 you don't need this drug. You don't need a statin, uh-huh. right? So how does one do that? Yeah. So I had to go advocate for myself at, with my primary care. And thankfully I have a primary care that will think out of the box. And I showed him some scientific papers and said, Hey, look, there are some ties. And he said, he, he looked into it and he said, you're absolutely right. It can, there's no harm in it. So I'm going to go ahead and, and put you on it. Um, since my, since I have found out, uh, about my carrier situation, my younger sister has also, um, did 23andMe, found out she also carries two variant, APOE4 variants, um, and she has tried to copy me and went to her primary care who said, no, it's not the you know standard of care right now, so I'm not going to do that. So she's actually thinking of switching to my doctor who will think a little bit more out of the box. Um, yeah. But you know, I've talked about it with several people in my biotech world that you know are, are researching different um, researching the science all the time and and they kind of backed me up and said you're right it can't hurt you you should you should go on it so I do things that are maybe a little uh you know uh, out of the ordinary maybe not they're not standard of care your doctor's not going to tell you to do that um but it can help it it can possibly help so I'm trying everything I can Yeah. And we should actually point out, you know, everyone should talk to their doctors. Obviously we're going to like, you know, not, this doesn't mean everyone should get a statin. Not everyone is a candidate, but you know. Did you, do you have high cholesterol? Did you see in your A1Cs were a little elevated or no? So they're not, considering all the exercise do, I mean, I do half Ironman, I've done marathons, I'm climbing Mount Kilimanjaro for cancer research in February. I'm an extremely active person and so is my mom and it's genetic. Genetically, we have slightly, she had very high, I've got, you know, it's borderline. So they wouldn't normally put me on a statin, but again, it can't hurt because lower would be better. Um, So I'm sort of borderline. And again, that's very genetic, even though I eat well and exercise all the time. Okay. And there's a question coming in um, from um, someone in our audience asking, what types of dementia did your family members have? Was it Alzheimer's, Lewy body, front uh, FTD? And is there any test out there to tell us how much amyloid plaque buildup we have in our brains at this time? So no, I don't, I'm, my mother had Alzheimer's. I don't know about her dad or her aunt. I believe they probably were just your classic Alzheimer's as well. Um, but I, I, I don't think as much testing was done back in those generations, in that generation. So they did not do any further testing. And also we're a lot better now at diagnosing, right? And so, I mean, even though there's still, there's still a lot of issues out there over diagnosis, you know, yeah. definitely, but we're getting better at detecting earlier. Whereas before it was like, oh, you're just losing your memory. You're old, you know, and it wasn't classified as a, a brain disease. Right, right. I mean, there was also, there used to be a stigma attached to it, right? Oh, she's losing her mind. We'll just put her, put her in a closet and not, you know, keep her out of the public's eye. There's no stigma anymore. It's, it's a disease and, you know, there's nothing we can do about it. It, so. So help ourselves. You you mentioned uh, clinical trials. Are you seeking or are you have you joined any clinical trials for people who obviously don't have Alzheimer's, but they have a genetic variant? 
Um, I'm, I've got my eye on some companies. There's a very exciting company called Alcyon out there. It's uh, here in the Boston area. They have excellent phase two data in Alzheimer's patients for what is actually an, an oral pill that would help upstream. It helps um, prevent the oligomerization process from happening in the first place and therefore hopefully prevent those tau tangles and um, amyloid plaque buildup to occur in the first place. Um, they have have just enrolled their phase three trial in patients. Um, the first readout should be in mid-2024, and if they have good solid data, they will open it up to carriers like me in likely 2025. Um, and so I've got my eye, I'm watching companies like that that have possible new things coming down the pipeline. There's also a company called Cognito Therapeutics that I'm watching. That one's out in San Francisco. This is a very different it's a headset with that's like, it's almost like a virtual reality headset that does um, uh, a certain tone ears, you know, hearing stimulation and visual light sensory. So it's apparently breaking down these, um, these buildups in your brain. So I've got my eye on things like that, that I would be happy to try. They don't, it, they don't have any toxic or uh, negative side effects thus far. So when, when companies like that open up their trials to carriers, I will absolutely join on. Yeah, we've, we've actually covered both of those companies um, for our viewers out there. If you want to just search on our site, you can learn, at, learn more about um, those therapeutics. But um, if you, so I want to, I want to talk a little bit about, you know, the science behind this, because you're obviously educated, you have a PhD, um, you know, more than the average person. What is it? I mean, I've always been, APOE has always been described to me as like um, cholesterol transport, right? It has a big role in, in cholesterol transport. That's why people um, like something about the E4 variant that makes the process easier to go wrong, but tell us a little bit. I mean, I'm, I, that was a, my very crude unscientific explanation. Tell us what you know about, you know, obviously it statins, um, you're, it, if you're taking statins, that's going to lower your cholesterol risk. Um, so tell us a little bit about what you know about E4 and its interaction with cholesterol and why people with that genetic variant have a predisposition towards things going wrong um, versus someone without that gene. I'm not sure I'm going to be help, helpful and know any more than you do. My understanding is, is what your understanding is. It's out of my, my scientific area of expertise completely. Um, I was a formulation scientist, um, but um, but it is it's a known biomarker, right? So that's a it's a it's a signal that for sure, and there's a clear tie between that and um, and Alzheimer's. So um, so exactly high cholesterol, and and here's where they don't no one exactly knows the biology of Alzheimer's, right? This is so it's, a lot of it is speculation, but things like the APOE four biomarker have been found over and over again to be a clear tie. So that's why anything that you can do that keeps your cholesterol down, which we know is, you know, obviously a cardiovascular uh, thing as well, then it's, it can only be good for you, so, for your brain as well. 
um, Wendy, we have another question going on. I guess my question to you is, have you ever like, okay, so to find out if you have plaque in your brain, you usually, a lot of people get either um, a spinal tap or a PET scan, which are very expensive, not covered by insurance. Uh, now, new technology is allowing blood tests to identify um, plaque. And then there's also ones that, that identify tangles that are coming to market through blood biomarkers. So uh, someone is asking you, have you ever had the blood test? Do you know if you have plaque um, in your body? I have, I have not, but I know companies like Alcyon are trying to partner with, you know, with companies like that. And there is a company that can, can measure that oligomerization level. Um, uh, and they are detecting, you know, elevated oligomers 13 years before people have been um, symptomatic for Alzheimer's. So these, again, are all in development. They're companies that I'm watching. Uh, the, the Alzheimer's space should be watching them very carefully. And, you know, I feel that some really good things are going to happen in the next five to 10 years here. So um, I we probably should explain to people what an oligomer is um, and why it's important. I mean, it's, it's basically an oligomer is when, when you were talking about a, a drug that's tackling the oligomers, that's actually before the plaque builds up, right? It's like an yeah. earlier stage. Is that yeah. correct to say? Yeah. So you can just um, think of oligomers as little tiny building blocks and they attach to each other um, and form long strings. And those strings tangle up and form the tau tangles and they glob up into, you know, plaques and those are the amyloid plaques that are found in the brain. So when I say there's a company that's preventing the oligomerization process from, they're inserting something in that's, that's stopping those oligomers from being able to attach to each other. So they're just staying as single units and not able to glob up the brain with um, tangles and uh, plaques. Okay, and, and someone else is asking if you're saying that elevated cholesterol is in fact connected to dementia. Depends on if you ask me or if you ask your doctors, they're not gonna give you a yes yet. It's, it's, there's a lot of science that indicates that. There are a lot of researchers that are showing that, but it's not, you know, doctors have not, are not being taught that in the books yet. Yeah. I mean, one of the issues that we find too is like learning about brain health is often what, what often you need to do is understand how biological systems relate, right? How is vascular related to brain health? How is um, glucose processing related to brain health? Um, and that probably is the easiest way to substantiate um, in your own mind, like what is, what are risk factors, right? Um, but again, you know, everything in the human body is, a, is connected in some way or the other, and, and you can do all the right things and you can still get a disease like Alzheimer's because of, you know, a bad genetic uh, you know, set of cards that was dealt to you. So, um, you know, there are lots of relationships and indications that things are risk factors, but even if you don't have those risk factors, you can get Alzheimer's. And even if you have all of the risk factors, you don't necessarily get Alzheimer's. So there's also some genetic predisposition and luck that gets thrown into the mix. I, I want to talk to you a little bit about, um, you know, the, the just finding out that potentially you may have plaque in your brain. That to me is almost like 
one step further than finding out your genetic status, right? I mean, would you want to know that? You talked about, you know, the blood tests that are coming to market. Would you want to know? Not necessarily, to be honest. I don't know if I want to do that PET scan yet. And I, uh, I'm i not as of now, um, because, you know, we all know the damage to your brain starts 15 years before or more before you're symptomatic. Um, I don't want to know if I'm already, if my years are already being counted, <laughs> I guess. Um, I'm so no, I, I don't know if I want to know. Some people do, or if it, if I had to find out, if I had to get that test to enter a clinical trial that I thought really showed promise, that's when I will do it. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I guess you would know maybe because if, if the trial requires you to have plaque in your brain then and you're accepted, you would know. Exactly. That, that you have, yeah. So um, tell us a little bit about how things have changed. I mean, are you doing things differently than you were before you knew that you had um, homozygous E4? Somewhat, um, but probably really not more than what we all should be doing anyway, is that's living every day for, you know, to its, its greatest potential. Um, I, I saw my parents make the mistake of putting everything off until they were retired. Um, you know, I heard that excuse over and over again. Oh, we'd love to go there. We'll do it when we're retired. I'd love to do that. But, you know, when we're retired and then and then by the time my dad retired, he retired to take care of my mom. So it was too late. And they they got to do very little of that before it was even impossible for her to go to the bathroom in a public restroom anymore. So I'm not going to make that mistake. Um, and I'm just trying to do whatever I want to do now as time permits. Um, I'm also trying to more actively watch the Alzheimer's space and see what I can do for myself and my family. Um, but again, we all should be, you know, living a, as healthy lives as possible. So I, I would say it's slightly different, but not, not that, not that much. What would you say to people today who are considering, they know they have a family link because they have a mother, father, grandmother, aunt, uncle. Mm -hmm. um, what would you say to those people who are actually considering um, genetic testing? Would you recommend they do it or not? Depends on their personality. I think some people, it, it, you know, if you have the mindset that it, it will empower you to look for um, potential clinical trials or help for yourself, then by all means, go do it. If, if it's going to sit on your shoulders and weigh you down the rest, you know, the rest of your years, maybe hold off until there's something, you know, more drugs available on the market. Um, and we just did recently have Lacanabab um, uh, go to FDA approved. Adjahelm was not so long ago, um, but those, those drugs have um, some serious potential side effects. So, and they're not candidates for everybody nor would I would not feel comfortable doing a clinical trial with those right now. So I think it's it's people have to wait till they're at the right mindset and they they feel like there's enough hope out there for them to know that to know have this burden on them and and to try to do something about it. Uh, another question, I mean you have children. Um, another question we get is when you find out your genetic status, what does that mean for your kids? We did it as a family and all three of my kids carry one. So um so they will have slightly increased risk of, of getting it. Uh, that's to be, that was to be expected really as soon as I saw that I had two. Right. So and that's how I knew before my dad went down this path, I was seeing some early, you know, dementia signs, but with my, with my genetic test results in hand, I knew what was happening to him before the doctors realized it. Yeah. 
Um, Wendy, thank you so much. It's really, I think, great for people like yourself to talk to others who are kind of in this, you know, should I, shouldn't I, or I found out what does it all mean? And, you know, you're living proof that be proactive, um, live life every day, um, like we all should be healthily and, you know, to our, to the, to our, the best of our potential. So, Thank you for sharing your story. Um, it, it really means a lot. I can't tell you how many questions we get about this on being patient. So I know it's very helpful to people. My pleasure, Deborah. Thank you very much for having me. So if you missed any of this interview, you want to know more, um, please go to our website, beingpatient.com. Don't forget to sign up for our newsletter. Our newsletter will alert you to talks in the future, talks like the one we just had with Wendy. Um, if you have any ideas or you want to hear from someone, don't forget to email us at info at beingpatient.com. Thanks everyone for watching. Uh, have a great day and we'll see you soon. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. For more information on upcoming interviews, don't forget to sign up for our newsletter at beingpatient.com. That's B-E-I-N-G-P-A-T-I-E-N-T.com. And send us any feedback you may have, whether it's someone you want us to interview or any comment about our podcast series. You can do so by emailing info at beingpatient.com. Thanks for listening, everyone. I'm Deborah Kahn.